0: Hey everyone, welcome to the For The Win Podcast. I'm Hemel Javari, alongside Evan Thorpe and Steven Ruiz, uh, coming to you the day before Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Turkey Day. I'm not that excited for Thanksgiving. Well, I have to work.
0: Yeah, you're a football guy. You have to work. Uh,
1: This would be like a first-time experience for me for Thanksgiving. What do you mean? I'm doing it with my fiancé's family. I do not envy that. I'd rather work. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, we're a bunch of Thanksgiving scrooges here, but we hope you have a good holiday. Um, We have a lot to get into today. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson for a little bit. Uh, There is a lot of NHL stuff happening that I'm going to get into, the controversy with Flames coach, uh, well, current Flames coach. We don't know how much longer, Bill Peters. Uh, Plus, we've got a beef of the week that Evan is going to fill us in on. And for our final not sports, but whatever segment, Steven's going to talk about The Bachelor
2: get excited people
0: (laughs) all right so let's start off talking about Lamar Jackson he had a great game on Monday night but I want Steven to kind of take us through what's happening with the narrative here because there is a lot of revisionist history kind of being exercised right now in terms of how he's looked at as a player
2: right a lot of the conversation during that Monday night game like he had like four touchdowns in the first half so like people were already celebrating him, but a lot of the conversation was like about who was right and who was wrong about Lamar Jackson before the draft because he was one of the most polarizing prospects we've ever seen because just of his style of the play, his personality, like how he carries himself. He's not your traditional quarterback, whatever that means. And it, in the NFL, it has meant tall and white and like, like a government figure mm-hmm. almost. So people were wondering like, and it's not just like people it's old execs that worked in the nfl now they're in the media so they kind of have like insight into the, this kind of thing and they were saying that oh maybe he's gonna have to change positions maybe he's gonna have to play receiver because he's so athletic and he's not a typical quarterback but there is a lot of like pushback from i would say less traditional journalists like guys bloggers, like you guys like me like bloggers were saying like this is ridiculous he's the best player in college football He's a quarterback. Let him play quarterback, and he'll be good.
0: And let him play how he wants to play. Don't try to change him to fit your system, right? Right,
2: exactly. That's a thing that's always important with quarterbacks. And then, so now, Lamar is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's an MVP favorite. And people that were putting out quotes saying, like, maybe he has to change the wide receiver are saying, oh, that was overblown. The media blew it up. They were overplaying it. Like, the NFL didn't really think like that. But we have quotes from anonymous execs saying as much, and we also have the fact that he went like he was like i think the fourth quarterback taken in that draft so there was three other quarterbacks taken and all three of them have struggled this year so it's not like it's not like they're doing well too like this was a bad pick our passing on him was a bad thing to do like you should have taken him first he should have been the first overall pick so now it's a whole thing about who was right who was wrong was there even a story is the nfl i would say racist that's the way to look at it are they prejudiced when it comes to quarterbacks And it's just a mess, but just look back at the truth, and you know what it is. Like, the NFL was scared of letting this guy play quarterback.
1: And I'll say one thing after his draft, when he was selected, the last pick in the first round, Deion Sanders came to him and asked him, was there anything you could have done differently to help out your draft stock? He said, nothing. And you could just see on his face, like, he was ready. And he even said, they're going to get a Super Bowl out of me talking about the Baltimore Ravens. And from there, like if you listen to the podcast, you know what my team is. But I am – on the bandwagon. I'm a I'm a f I am ai am really do like Lamar Jackson. Just that moment right there made me convince me I was like he's gonna be special.
0: Yeah, it it does sound like what Steven is saying as someone who I am not into the weeds on football like you are, Steven, right. and from an outsider perspective, even vaguely there was all this conversation about how Lamar Jackson was not your typical quarterback, and he was not built to succeed in these systems. Right. And a lot of it felt like it had racial undertones. It, it was did. like it's this. It is what people call systemic racism, right? It is that people don't acknowledge the bias because they think that he just doesn't fit the system, but the system has been designed to favor a certain kind of player. So like this is the definition of systemic racism. Right.
2: And this conversation was still going like a month ago. Like I had to write something because there was like blowback against his the success he was having people were wondering one will it get figured out when he plays a good defense because if he is relying on a system and someone figures out how to stop the system then he won't have a plan b in theory and then two he needs a system like this to succeed i i mean i think he needs a system like this to like just take advantage of all of his skills because he has so many but i think he could still be a good quarterback in one of those traditional systems like if you watch him play in college you Saw him doing the things that pro quarterbacks do. Yeah. He just had this other part of his game that no one else in the history of the game has ever had. So I was having this conversation with someone, another football analyst, who was, he was on the other side. He was saying, like, he needs the system to be as good as he is. And if you look at all the stats, you just isolate his performance on plays that are, like, typically thought of as traditional, like throws from the pocket. Mm -hmm. He was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that makes me wonder, like, Okay, yeah, the system helps him, and it's a unique system, but it's a unique system because of him. Like, he right. made it work. The system doesn't make him work. Right, He right. makes the system work. And would we be saying that the system is, like, gimmicky if every other team in the league ran it? Like, say Tom Brady was the only one that ran the, the type of system he runs. Would we be saying the same thing about Tom Brady? No, we wouldn't no. because he's a 6'4 white guy who stands in the pocket and throws it downfield.
0: Yeah, you, you'd you be saying he's a unique talent in the NFL.
2: Right. He's a transcendent player. Like that's the only thing you should say about Lamar is his skill set is transcendent and that goes beyond scheme. It goes beyond system. Like he could he would be good in any system. He's one of the best football players we have ever seen play. He was yeah, maybe the best football player, like one season of a football player in college football history.
0: I think Evan, you brought this up earlier before we started recording. Um, but you said he's the quarterback of the culture.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, like, start off his hairstyle. He has box braids coming down. Like, people looking at it say that's unprofessional. Like, I've seen people on Facebook who I know personally is like, God, he got to change his hair. He would never get to where he ne- where he wants to be with that type of hair. After the game, you see how him, him and his teammates interact on Instagram Live. You hear the music they listen to. I mean, he had a close relationship with Kodak Black, who a lot of people know for bad things Mm -hmm. outside of being a a, a hip-hop artist. But, like, a lot of people who support him looks like him, looks like me, and he's kind of like the quarterback of the culture now.
2: And he's in a city that's, like, 65 70% black in Baltimore. So, like, he's very special to that city, a certain segment of fans in that city.
0: Because he does not have to change all of those parts about him to fit into this system that we've created. Right. Like there's always this pressure for athletes to, to refine themselves. Right. And he does not have to do that. And,
1: and you think about it, like, we talk about Russell Wilson and how he's like the clean cut black guy. I say Cam had a, a stage where he kind of cleaned his media look up. But I think Cam went through the same things when he was MVP. Like he was also like
2: on the sideline, taking pictures yeah. like dancing. And like, he heard the same things like This dog whistle racism, like, is he going to be able to last? Is this, like, a gimmick? And I thought, like, Lamar is a more extreme example, but I think Cam is, like, in that middle ground between Lamar and Russell Wilson. Yeah. Cam's, like, image is very contrived. Mm -hmm. I'd say Russell Wilson's is completely contrived, Mm -hmm. and then Lamar is just who he's always
1: been. He's Lamar, and I think he's going to be, like, one of those few quarterbacks who doesn't have to change himself and can still be successful does that mean he's going to get endorsement deals? Probably not. But I think, you know, as far as people looking at him, they're going to respect him for not changing.
2: Oh, I think he's absolutely going to get endorsement deals. He's going to be, like, everyone's favorite player growing up, or like these new kids. And also I think that had to do with, the, with him sliding in the draft and why teams mm-hmm. were, like, wary of drafting him because a story came out that part of the reason teams were uncomfortable with him playing quarterback is he couldn't really, like, explain – The system he ran in college, even though it was a pro style system, like everyone like made that point, like his coach coached in the NFL and had him doing NFL stuff, but he couldn't really explain it. And they were like kind of concerned with that and how he carried himself, whether he was a quarterback. But obviously it doesn't matter. And he's one of the best players in the NFL and he's only 22 years old.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the entire narrative around this, I think, is one of the reasons this podcast tends to focus a little bit more on these issues is because it's so complicated, but also such a good illustration of the ways in which the NFL works. Right. It isn't just about the talent that you have on the field. Like this is the best case scenario because he got a chance to prove himself. And he has proven himself above and beyond. Right. He he's lead candidate for MVP. The the Ravens are incredibly popular. Um. And this does, you know, that doesn't happen if a team doesn't take a chance on him.
2: And I will say that, like, to the people that are like, why does this stuff matter? Like, it obviously matters because the te- a team like the Ravens, who were not in position to land a franchise quarterback necessarily, got one because the rest of the teams are so out, like, outdated in their thinking.
1: Exactly. Like, that's why it matters. And they also built a team around him mm-hmm. and not having him just come in and try to play around guys that they had for Joe Flacco. I mean, the offense... Is for him. Those players around him, I think, fits him best. You got a speed wide receiver who you can chuck the ball up to. Mark Ingram try to take some of that pressure in the run game. So this team not only is built around him, but it's built for him, and I think that's like just the perfect match for him. It's also it
2: also relates to Colin Kaepernick because people will say like you can't run a system like this and have it work because Colin Kaepernick's a similar player who's athletic and maybe not the most refined passer, but he he's very talented at it. Obviously, you can make this system work. It's and it, The guy that is calling the plays for the Ravens was calling the plays when Colin Kaepernick was at his best with the 49ers. That's not a coincidence. Like, You can make an offense around these guys. Just do it.
0: Right, right. You have to make some concessions to it. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting story, and to, it has been really, really fun to watch Lamar Jackson play. So that's something that we can all agree on. Uh, I do want to move on. And get into some NHL stuff.
2: Do you think Lamar Jackson can name one NHL player? Because I can only name like three. Um, and he's from Florida.
0: He, I'm sure he could. No, I'm sure he could. All right, it has been a little bit of a week in the NHL. I, I don't. I mean, I even forget. Honestly, I'm an NHL person, and I forget that the Calgary Flames are even a team. But the Calgary Flames are an NHL team. And their head coach, Bill Peters, has uh, been placed on leave. And it's because of some really serious accusations. Uh, a former player uh, accused him of calling him the N-word multiple times uh, while he was playing for him. Um, and then had him busted down to the minor leagues because, mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, because of how he responded. Because of how the player responded to being called the N-word. I'm just looking at Evan's face and it's like, it's very shocked right now.
1: So did the player ever come out beforehand and say that this happened or did he just suddenly tell everybody, all right, this has been happening to me?
0: So one of the things that's happened this week is this kind of domino effect. It all started with an incident, not on the flames, with Toronto Maple Leafs head coach Mike Babcock. He got fired. The Maple Leafs have not been performing up to the level that they were expected to perform at. And a lot of the blame, I think rightfully rightfully so, has been placed on Babcock's coaching style, which is like really tough. And this story came out earlier this week that he had asked a rookie to rank the players on the team from most hardworking to least hardworking. And then Babcock took that information and ratted out the player to his teammates. So that's just like one instance of the kind of stuff that Babcock was doing in NHL locker rooms, uh, which is messed up. Um, so but that precipitated this player, uh, Akeem Alou, to just be on Twitter and be like, well, the Babcock thing reminds me of a time that a coach that I played for, you know, said this horrible thing to me. And the, from there, there's been this like incredible fallout of players coming forward and saying, well, and it's ex players. Let me put it that way. It's ex players uh, who have also said he did. You know, his behavior has always been terrible and kind of refreshing incidents of like times when he's been violent towards players on the bench and like kicked them in the back. Uh, um, it is probably this is probably the most serious uh, allegation that I have seen in like an NHL player. And to the Flames' credit, they're taking this very seriously. And it does seem like Bill Peters is going to lose his job very quickly.
1: Well, I haven't fired him yet.
0: I honestly think the word is that they're waiting to iron out some legal things so that they probably don't have to pay him the remainder of his salary. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think if they can prove it that it was like whatever violates whatever rule in his contract, then they won't have to pay him the rest of the money that they probably owe him. Um,
2: my question is like what took so long and I'm not saying that as someone that's like skeptical of the player that came forward it's what about all the other players that saw him being abused with racial slurs and they just stood there and just didn't vouch for him like that that speaks to like problems with the whole league I think
0: yeah I think so in this particular instance it's been said that uh, players did like stick up for the player that got racially abused in the locker room and uh he, they, they went to the coach and they said, you can't do this. And none of it was handled well. So this was in 2008, I believe. And recently, Bill Wait, B- it's been 11 years. It's been now. like 10 years. Yeah. Even 10 years ago, it's still been, it's, you still Ooh. can't do it. But, but here's the thing. Like it has gone unsaid for that amount of time, which just shows you how deeply entrenched hockey culture is. The other thing is is that when Bill Peters was the coach for the Carolina Hurricanes, he also had an, a history of problematic behavior. The Players Leadership Council, so I guess a whole bunch of top-ranking players on the team at the time, went to the GM and said, this is how the coach is treating us and we would like a change. And the GM at the time, Ron Francis, didn't do anything about it. It was just like, this is who you're stuck with. Is
1: he still an elite? Bill Peters? Yeah.
0: Um... Well, he's coaching right now. GM Ron Francis, I think, is supposed to be Seattle's new GM. Like, so Seattle's getting a new team. So, yeah, he's still in the league. Jeez. It I- is. It, it's just, like, it's been a really if – you, if you follow the NHL at all, it's been a very tough couple of days because there is this undercurrent of, like, stuff that you know is so awful but players have to have the courage to come out and say it if there's going to be any kind of change.
2: Right. I feel like this reflects poorly on like not just the Flames. Like this shouldn't just be about the Flames. It should be about the whole league because these players have been on other teams. Exactly. And if th- this is like normalized, then that this probably just isn't happening in Calgary. Like it's probably happening everywhere. And players just aren't saying
1: anything. Yeah. But not even like the players. You think about the coaches and GMs are traveling team to team. They're just spreading that around. So it's in locker room to locker room to the point where it's just normalized in NHL.
0: And that's exactly the point, which is that now, you know, Ron Francis used to be in Carolina. Now he's going to go to Seattle and he's going to be the GM that doesn't really care if the coach is like assaulting his players. Like I understand that sports is very difficult. There is a totally different level of like physicality that happens in locker rooms, but you cannot call anybody the N word. Like, that does, that's never okay. You Hot cannot, take, Hemel. <laughs> you can never assault a player. And the fact that a lot of players uh, are saying, Well, I've seen it, but I haven't said anything because it's not up to me to say it is like, I, I feel so bad for the players because you should not have to tolerate that kind of abuse. Uh,
2: right. It, it is up to you to say it. Like, yeah. this is a guy, like, this is a guy that is a mind, a, Big minority in the sport of hockey. Yeah, if he comes out and says it, there could like I understand why he was scared to come out and say like he could lose his job. He basically did lose his job. He got sent to the minors. He
0: got demoted for it. Yeah, because they viewed him as a problem player. Um, so that story is developing, and there's going to be, I imagine, quite a bit of fallout from it. Um, yeah, that's it.
2: I don't like. How could you? How is there going to be any progress from this? I just don't see a way like unless you tear down the whole league and like just start over.
0: Well, I don't want to make like idle comparisons to the Me Too movement. But one thing that happened with the Me Too movement is that there was first Toronto Burke. Right. She started it um, and it didn't really pick up steam until reporters actually did the hard work of cultivating sources Digging into these accusations and then reporting on them. So, I think a lot of this honestly rests with the media. Like, I think it's on us to go out, find these players, see if they'll talk to us, do the heavy lifting and the reporting and present facts that people actually can't ignore. That is going to give other people courage to be able to say, okay, well, this actually happened too. And it's going to be slow, but that's how systemic change happens.
2: All right, get to work, Emil. (laughs) I'm so happy I could get to cover a league where racism definitely is not a problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's my hot take for today. Let's move on to our beef of the week.
1: All right. So if you watched the Monday Night Football game, you saw some heated conversations between Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters after the game. Oh, yes. So so it's a little backstory to it. This season, Jalen Ramsey was traded to the Rams. But before they made that trade, they traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens. And Marcus Peters wasn't having a great year. I really don't know why that's the cause of it, but he was kind of like pointed out as being to blame why some of they were having problems on defense. Now Marcus Peters is playing great. Jalen Ramsey has been...
2: He's been good, but the Rams have not been good. Yeah. And they traded Peters to clear out cap space to get ramsey to pay ramsey so it was kind of like we needed to do this to get you so he was replaced by Jalen ramsey so that obviously put a chip on his shoulder
1: and if you know marcus peters he's like he's about <laughs> that action he he wants to talk junk he wants to get in your face so so is Jalen ramsey too. yeah it, i would say marcus peters a little more so after um, he picked off jared goff you could see him on the sideline screaming Jalen, Jalen. <laughs> and so after the game You know, players Mm -hmm. meet up, shake hands. They're in
0: the tunnel, right? Like they're this was
1: this happened before. Oh, this happened before. This happened on the field. You see them two like talking, and Jalen Ramsey has his helmet on, so you can't really see what he's saying. Then it escalated to the locker room. Jalen Ramsey had to be held back. Marcus Peters still talking and walking. So that's my.
0: I saw the clip of Jalen Ramsey having to be held back, and he like had to be held back by two people.
1: All right, I'm (laughs) gonna say this. I've seen situations where people are really holding you back. Yeah. And somebody just got their hand like, all right, come on, man, keep walking. Jalen Ramsey was, wasn't about that action that night. And I don't think he really wanted problems. But the fact that it's a former player right? and Peters probably still has friends in that locker room, it was like, man, I got to step up to this dude. He calling me out. I disagree with you
2: wholeheartedly. Jalen Ramsey is about that.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever seen Jalen Ramsey play? I've seen him play. But it's it's been like on field stuff. I haven't seen him do anything off the field that made me think, all right, this man might be What have you seen Marcus Peters do besides talk? He's afraid to tackle.
2: <laughs> Jalen Ramsey is anyone is not afraid to tackle. He's the complete opposite. Marcus Peters gets criticized because of his lack of physicality.
1: It's easy to talk. I'm team Jalen on this. It, it don't matter how how you can tackle. I think he's about that action off the field. If you're afraid to do your
2: job. <laughs> Because it requires a little extra physicality, you're not going to be fighting with someone that is bigger than him There's and no way r- bigger than him. I
1: yeah. got my money on Marcus. Give me get, in a fight, you use your hands. I think the Marcus has have to use things other than his hands <laughs> to win that fight. His hands are good. I'm going with Marcus.
0: Oh my god, I don't have uh, a pick in this beef. I'm just happy that Stephen and Evan disagree.
2: I feel so sorry for Jalen Ramsey? Because it's not his fault his team got blown (laughs) out. quarterback again. And you can't talk trash when you're getting like, when you're losing by 30, you can't talk trash. And he's like, easily the better player. Oh yeah. He's just
0: so frustrated that he's on a team that sucks.
1: But the thing is, he was in Jacksonville. Right. The blame was the quarterback. Now he's in LA. The blame isn't getting a quarterback. And you have your former quarterback still on the roster. So not only do you have to see Jared Goff playing bad, but you look at, maybe the backup might be better. And the backup is the same guy that you wanted to get out Jacksonville for. And
2: here's what makes it even worse. Like in both situations he was getting paid less than both of these quarterbacks. <laughs> oh like yeah. In Jacksonville he's getting paid less than Bortles. Now he's getting paid less than Goff. And then like you can't even go to the you can't even say like go to the backup cuz the backup is your old quarterback who stinks too.
1: <laughs> it's horrible. I
0: do feel bad for him.
1: Maybe after you said that Jalen Ramsey might beat him cuz he has a lot of built up anger. Right. I mean Marcus Peters played in the Super Bowl last year.
0: Right, he's 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 liable to be a little bit more chill about it. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Bachelor real quick. Can you explain this in under forty seconds?
1: Yes.
2: Okay. So last season was H- Hannah B. Hannah Sh- B. She won Dancing with the Stars, by the way. But <laughs> she eliminated the, the guy that's the new Bachelor. He came in third place. But Hannah B. ended up breaking up, breaking it off with the guy that she eventually picked, and then the second place guy like turned out to be. was thotting all over town like he was going out with everyone so she didn't so she obviously you're not going to get with him right but on the finale she like agreed to go out on a date with him but then all that came out so now they just released the trailer for the next season with the third place guy and hannah b like comes on to the set and is like can i be on the show oh so if you're peter that's the name of the bachelor and he was like madly in love with her like he was so